Father, we come before you this morning. I know, Lord, that I am unable and unworthy of the task set before me. God, the only way that any of us can grow, any of us can be changed, is through your Spirit working through your Word in spite of a foolish and frail preacher. God, we ask that you would push everything out of the way so that your word may pierce our hearts. God, that we may hear from heaven. Lord, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand that there is hope in the gospel. There is hope in you and you alone. Lord, we pray and ask this morning that you would convict us of our sin and our failure, that you would challenge us to turn once again to you and repent. <coughs> Father, we ask that you would comfort us and you would give us strength. God, all of this is possible through the power of your word. We ask that you would add your richest blessing to the reading, to the teaching, to the proclamation of your holy word. We ask all these things in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I invite you to take and turn with us for the last time to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. This is our third week looking at this chapter. We will look at the last section of this chapter, verses 20 through verse 37. As you find your place in sacred scripture, I would ask if you would please stand out of reverence to the public reading of God's holy word, if you are so able to do. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, feel free to use one of the ones from the backs of the pew. You can follow along on your phone or tablet or up on the screen. The words will be there. However you are accessing the Word of the Lord, I would ask, after we finish reading, would you please respond once I say this is the Word of the Lord by the words, thanks be to God. Let's look together now at Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 20. The Word of the Lord says, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look, There, or look, here, do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. (coughs) And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. 
Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where, Lord? He said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thanks, Jay. (coughs) All right. So as we've worked our way through chapter 17, we have started off with Jesus giving various teachings about increasing our faith, about the faith of a mustard seed. We've seen Jesus talk about thankfulness, the thankfulness that he does not owe us. You saw in those passages as we walked through where an unworthy servant only does what the servant is commanded. Then we looked last week at the ten lepers, those ten people suffering with leprosy that came to Jesus looking for healing. And all ten were healed, but only one, a Samaritan, a foreigner, was the one who turned back. And Jesus uses the word, your faith has saved you. Out of ten, only one is thankful to the Lord. So on the heels of all of that, on the heels of all of these teachings, Luke has placed this passage about the coming of the kingdom. And the coming of the kingdom, when Jesus speaks of it, is always odd and cryptic. So for example, if we look at these verses, in verses 20 and 21, the kingdom has already come. The kingdom is right now. The kingdom is here. It is among us. The kingdom is growing as we speak. Look around you in this room. Take just a moment. Look around. Look to your right. Look to your left. I'm serious. Do like this. I need to see some heads going like this. All right. Sarah, you're exempt. There's nobody over there on that wall. That's okay. But you got, you got kids this way. So this is the kingdom. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. The kingdom is us. The growth that is experienced by People building upon the kingdom of God. It is a nationality. It is a citizenship. And when someone devotes their life to Christ, when someone says, I no longer want to identify myself by anything else other than being a child of Jesus Christ, a child of God, your citizenship, your nationality, the kingdom in which you are resident changes. And so, yes, the kingdom is Here, the kingdom is now, for those of us who believe, the kingdom is us. But at the same time, in verses 22 through 37, the kingdom is not yet here. The kingdom is still on its way. And I just, I love when scripture does this. They just put two things that make no sense together, and we can't figure it out. It's finite in our mind. We we got nothing. It's here, and it's coming. Where's the kingdom? Yes. Yes, that, uh uh-huh, good question. Where's the kingdom of God? Right, here and coming. So one of my favorite phrases that illustrates this, and just honestly a good opportunity to do something fun during a sermon, is you guys may have heard of the phrase, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Anybody familiar with this phrase? All right, this is a yes I am, this is a no I'm not. We're going to wake up and participate today. We're going to be in it, all right? You with me? We're in this together. I'm fighting a cough, y'all are here. Thanksgiving's coming. We got a lunch afterwards. It's okay. Zero in. Here we are. You can't have your cake and eat it too, right? When I was a kid, I had no idea what that meant. 
if I have my cake, I've eaten my cake, therefore I ate my cake, I have my cake. It is in my belly, I have the cake because I have eaten it. And finally my mom described to me how this all works. She said, do you want this cake? I said, yes. She said, you want to have it, you want to hold it, you want it to be in your possession. I said, yes. She said, do you want to eat this cake? I said, yes. She said, okay, that's great, eat the cake. I said, okay. Sounds like a good idea. Now, I've eaten the cake. And she says, okay, do you want to have the cake? I said, yeah, I like holding it. It looks good. It's pretty. Especially now, we've got so many shows these days, the Ace of Cakes and Cake Boss and all those good shows, these beautiful cakes. You almost don't want to eat them, right? They're so pretty and they look so good. You don't want to eat it. You want to have it. You want to put it on display. She says, okay, now that you've eaten your cake, just hold it and look at it. Look at how good it looks. Look at how moist it is. The cake's gone because you ate it. You can't have your cake and eat it too. It's just not possible unless there's more cake. Now, I'm not going to eat that one because now I have my cake and I've eaten my cake too. You see, Jesus is, is cryptic when he talks about the kingdom and he says that the kingdom is here and it's coming. So if you're going to a family get-together and you say, I'm on my way, I'm 10 minutes out, which, by the way, is the most common lie that people tell. You know that's true. Some of us are like, I'm only five minutes out, but I'm going to say 10 just in case there's traffic or something. And some of us are actually 20 minutes out, and we're going to say 10, hoping we can make up the difference in the 10-minute span, which is not possible in physics. It's the most common lie we tell. You can't do that if you're in the basement of the house. You're on your way to Thanksgiving, right? You've traveled. You've made it. If your plane is in the air and you are on the plane, you are not at the family get-together. If you're at the family get-together, you're not on your plane in the air. You're not in the car driving that way. Those two things are mutually exclusive. They're not possible unless you're God. Because, you see, Christ has come. We got to eat our cake. Jesus is our cake and our kingdom and our prize. He brought and inaugurated the kingdom. It's here. It's among us. It's our brothers and sisters. It's those who are lost, who are about to change their citizenship, their nationality. All of these things are true. We got the prize. We got Jesus. And we take Jesus and we put him in our life, in our heart. We sit him on the seat of the throne of our life. And he is here. But he's coming back. So the kingdom is here and the kingdom is coming. So we have to live in the tension of these two seemingly opposite qualities. We have to live like the kingdom is here and now. And we have to live with the urgent expectation that the kingdom could come at any moment. And so it shapes everything about how we live our lives. Let's look specifically at these verses and break them down. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Folks, take a pause and a time out on this verse. I think that one of the most odd things about us as Christians is we seemingly always get obsessed with the exact order of the events and the things that will take place before Christ returns. But we must remember, it is clear as day. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is not coming 
in ways that can be observed. Folks, the kingdom of Christ is growing and being built moment by moment as we speak. But it is not like cutting grass. It is not like painting a wall. These are tangible things where the wall starts as one color, you paint all the way across, and you come over here, when you finish and look back, the wall is a different color. You can observe that the wall is being painted. It is not so with the kingdom of God. Because God's kingdom is growing, hearts are being changed, and there might be fruit that eventually we see that is born out in people, but immediately you just don't know. You can't tell. You don't know somebody's heart, and I don't know somebody's heart. The kingdom is coming and growing in ways that are not as simple and straightforward as cutting grass or painting a wall where you can see the tangible results. It's not like building a tower that you can see as it goes up. Jesus says it cannot be observed. They'll say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Folks, that's part of one of the verses that gives us the phrase of asking Jesus into our heart. When Jesus says that the kingdom is in the midst of you, it is a euphemism talking about the Spirit living inside of us. It is in amongst ourselves, our souls. The Spirit is with us. The kingdom is in us. That's why I asked you to look left and right and and to see who's around you this morning because that's the kingdom. You want to build the kingdom of God? Build up your brother or sister in Christ. You want to build up the kingdom of God? You want to be a part of the kingdom. (coughs) You want to be a part of the kingdom of God? Share the gospel with your brother and sister. Lift them up because that's where the kingdom is. It will never be a nation. It is a citizenship that belongs in heaven. And we get so distracted that it's going to be this great nation. It's going to be this theologically led government. That it's going to be something that is a theocracy where God is on the throne here and now. But that's not the kingdom here and now. That's the kingdom that's coming. So our loyalty, our allegiance has to be first and foremost to the kingdom that is here That's Christ and one another. And so Jesus says it cannot be observed. Don't be looking for signs. Don't be worried about, what does that mean? Is Jesus coming back tonight? Does that mean Jesus is coming back? Is the next world war coming along? Don't be distracted by those things because the (coughs) the coming of the kingdom cannot be observed. And he said to his disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there or look here, but do not go out and follow them. Folks, I don't, I don't know how many times I've said this, but I mean it every single time. When somebody stands up to preach and says, this is exactly how it will be. This is the day and the time and the hour. This is when the Lord will return. The one thing you can guarantee is it won't be when that person said that. Nobody knows the day. Nobody knows the hour. Jesus says himself, only the Father knows. That's another one of those cryptic statements. I don't know how the Father knows something that Jesus doesn't know. But the Father alone knows the date and the hour. You can't observe the coming of the kingdom. And there's no reason 
to get caught up in all of this. Oh, man, Donald Trump's the president, and, and he's doing this, and he's doing that, and, and now this nation's going to do this, and this nation's going to do that. And so what's going to happen? The whole world's coming to an end, and Jesus is coming back soon. Yes, you can count on that. Last statement. Jesus is coming back soon. And I love the, the phrase in the midnight cry because it's just a great phrase to throw in there. It's closer now than it's ever been. Like right now, it's closer than it was a few moments ago. And right now, it's closer than it was a few moments ago. But there's no reason to be nervous or scared or anxious if we have the correct citizenship. If we are part of the kingdom here and now, then the kingdom coming is a blessing. The kingdom coming is an upgrade. The kingdom coming is something we look forward to with eager anticipation. It's not something that we are scared of or anxious of. Listen, some of us have such a low and shallow view of heaven and what the new kingdom that Christ will bring in his second return is like that we almost think, well, golly, but I really like this and this and this. I mean, I mean, if I go to heaven, are we all just going to sit around on these clouds playing these harps and going, ah, 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 all eternity, sitting on a cloud playing a harp. That's from our culture. That's from cartoons. You've been watching too many Looney Tunes. That's Sylvester Stallone, the cat. It's hard. There ain't no many Sylvesters. You know what I'm saying? That's Sylvester the cat. Or Stallone, maybe, if he makes it. I don't know. Folks, God is going to make all things new. The new creation will be Far better than what we have now. It's all the things we love in this world now, minus the sin, minus the jealousy, minus the coveting, minus the lust, minus the lying, minus the idolatry. It's everything that we love now, made new, recreated, made fresh and redeemed for all eternity. It's something to look forward to. And that's why he gives these examples. As we move on down the passage, he talks about Lot's wife. He talks about how Lot's wife is leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, and God says, don't, leave, don't even look back. Just go and walk away. I've saved you. I've delivered you. Don't even look back. And she goes, man, that fire sounds like it's crackling and it's hot, and it sounds like something cool is going on. And Lot's like, baby, don't you look back. Don't you look back. And every wife who's ever listened to their husband did just like this. Oh, it can't hurt to look back. He don't know what he's talking about. He's just a man. What's going on? I'm a pillar of salt, just like that. Turns into a big pile of salt and falls to the ground. She gone. She had to turn and look. That's us. We're drawn to look back to this world. We're drawn to look back to the kingdoms of this world, to the things that we love. Oh, but I really like fishing. Oh, but I just really like, I really like when I can go and get in the woods all by myself. I really like this, these video games that I play. I really like when I get together and play dominoes. You just don't understand. I am the king of the dominoes, and Andalusia is the dominoes capital of the world, okay? All these things will be redeemed and better than we can imagine now. And what will happen to us is if we're too busy looking back, well, is it coming? Is it, is it not coming? Scripture warns that we're going to end up like Lot's wife, who missed out on the whole thing, turned into a pillar of salt. As the Lord continues, he says, all these examples of somebody laying in the bed with someone else, two will be in bed, one will be taken. Folks, it should be what comforts us to go to sleep at night. Not a worry or a fear. Oh, man, what if Jesus comes back tonight? What if I die tonight? What if, what if this is my last day on earth? What if this is it? 
Praise God if you are a believer. What if Jesus comes back tonight? What if Jesus comes back right now? It should lull us to sleep because of the comfort that it brings us that our Savior is coming back. His kingdom is here and now, but it is coming. And it's it's worth looking forward to. We put our nose to the plow and work. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding. One will be taken, the other will be left. Folks, we don't get distracted by whether or not this is the day or the time or the hour. We don't get distracted by what's going on in world events. We focus on our Christ and the kingdom that he has already brought so that when he does come, we're working in the field and we don't even look up. We're just gone. We're on the housetop and there's no time to go back and get our possessions, but we don't care. I don't need to run back in that house and get one more thing. It's over. It's done. The kingdom will then and forevermore be here. And it will be Christ on the throne. It will be the theocracy that we all hope for and that many of us wish that America would be. But America's never going to be that because it's only going to be when Jesus comes back and establishes his eternal kingdom. Lastly, folks, as Jesus is talking about this, he says, whoever will lose his life, whoever seeks to lose their life will gain life. Whoever seeks to preserve their life will lose it. Guys, we have been seduced. I am often seduced by the American dream. I need to drive this kind of car, live in this kind of house, have this kind of income, and buy these things. And those are my goals in life. And when those become my goals in life, I have become Lot's wife. And I am looking back at the things of this world and this kingdom, but they don't matter. They will be a pillar of salt that is thrown out because it's not salty anymore. Folks, if we want to live, if we want to truly live, it means living in the kingdom now and expecting the kingdom as it comes. And that means we reorient every priority and every goal in our life. I remember when Lee was preaching back when he was here, he was talking about John 3.16. And he said it's time that we take places and things off of our bucket list and put people on our bucket list. I want to see so-and-so come to know Christ, and if that could happen in my lifetime, that's a bucket list item. Boom, I'm going to check it off. Folks, J.D. Greer, the current president of the Southern Baptist Convention, urges everyone in his church, once they graduated from high school, before they go to college, spend a year on the mission field. Give a year, tithe a year to Christ, and go on the mission field, and make that one of your goals. Spend the first two years of your retirement on mission for Christ. Being focused on the kingdom of God here and now and the kingdom as it will come means reorienting our goals and our priorities. And it's going to be countercultural to the American dream. The American dream says get your stuff, get more stuff, be generous with your stuff, give your stuff away, and then hoard more stuff. 
It's not about the stuff. It's about the kingdom. And the kingdom is not something tangible that you can observe or build like a tower. It's the people. Spend our lives investing in people. Spend our lives pouring out our hearts, seeking to lose our life that others may come and be a part of this kingdom. That's what Jesus is talking about. Listen, the judgment that will come, it will come and it will be swift and it will be bitter. Jesus is not afraid to end what he's talking about with a bomb. He just, he drops these word bombs on the Pharisees. And the disciples look to him and they say, where? Lord, somebody's going to be left behind. Where are they going to be left? What's going to happen to them? Jesus pulls no punches. He says, where the corpse, the one left behind, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. You want to know what will happen to those who are not a part of the kingdom? There will be death and there will be birds that pick away at them. There is an eternal punishment waiting for those who are not in the kingdom. There is a real and tangible eternal lake of fire. And I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm telling you what Jesus said. It's his very words. You find the buzzards flying over the corpses. That's who was left. But don't look back at them. Focus on the kingdom that's coming. Don't be Lot's wife. Folks, the people that do not know Jesus will die and be eternally separated from God in punishment. And I wonder if we even care. I wonder if I even care. As long as I got my stuff in order, right? As long as I got my life right. As long as I got enough stuff to keep me comfortable and keep my family comfortable and maybe give something to the next generation coming along, I'm good. I don't really care whether this waiter or waitress goes to heaven or hell. I don't really care if this person driving me in this car really goes to heaven or hell. I don't really care if this person taking my order really goes to heaven or hell. I don't really care if the person working next to me in my cubicle eight hours a day actually goes to heaven or hell. And you know, some days I kind of wish maybe they would go to hell because they're not worth saving. If we're honest, those are our thoughts. Because if they weren't, we'd look for the kingdom in them. And we'd share the gospel with them, even if it made it awkward every day for work for the rest of our lives. I'm begging you, you got to know there's a day coming. you got to turn. Trust in Christ. It's worth everything that you would have to sacrifice. God will make it worth it. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. <coughs> would you trust in Jesus? Plead with them. Have gospel conversations with them. Talk to our family members and our friends that are not saved. But at the end of the day, I think most of us, so many times myself, I'm over here and I'm Lot's wife. And I got wonderful spiritual mentors in my life saying, Nathan, don't look back. Don't look back, man. The kingdom's here and now. The kingdom's coming. Look for it coming and bring everybody you can with you because it's coming. Jesus is here and he's coming. Ah, yeah, but I just, I just need to. Just need to look just for one, one quick second. And that's it. Folks, how many of us are caught up looking at this world and the things of it? How many of us need to reorient our priorities and everything about our lives so that our citizenship 
reflects the kingdom to which we belong. So this morning, who are you? Are you the one working in the field that keeps working in the field? Are you the one that's taken? Are you the one on the housetop that doesn't go back for their belongings but is taken? Are you the one who's grinding at the mill? Do you stay and grind at the mill or are you taken? To what kingdom do you belong today? If you belong to Christ's kingdom, have you been distracted by the the temptations of this world? Man, there's some fun things, right? Have you lost focus and you're looking back and Christ is begging you? If you want to save your life, give it up. Those who try to save their life, will lose it. Those who lose their lives for the sake of the gospel will gain it. Let's pray. <coughs> Lord, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. Father, you have a kingdom that is here amongst us right now. You have a kingdom that is on its way. Lord, both are happening at the same time. Father, forgive me where I have been distracted from your kingdom. Lord, help us as a church to be kingdom builders, to pour out our hearts and our lives that more people would join the kingdom, whether we can see it happening or not. Lord, help us not to be like Lot's wife. Lord, help us to realize the gain that is found in losing ourselves in your presence and in your kingdom. Father, thank you for difficult teachings. Lord, I pray that in spite of the antics and the misstatements and everything, God, that your word would still pierce our hearts. God, I pray that you would still work through the power of your scripture. God, and call us to repentance. Call us to live in and for your kingdom. Lord, we love you so very much. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ.